If you can spare a little time for me, I would like to share some perspectives on time. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another edition of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. And aside from the fact that we'll have several time-related elements in our coming Parsha, time was very much on my mind this week as my watch was broken, and I was in travel mode, and having to make sure to uh, calibrate um, timing to give a presentation that would end at an appropriate time, and get to flights at the appropriate time, and kind of the natural reflexive reaction of turning my wrist to see the watch that wasn't there, uh, I started realizing how much time is a factor in our lives. In our Parsha, we have two elements at least that I'd like to uh, draw attention to. One, Moshe in his addressing Paro about the final of the ten plagues, the death of the firstborn of Egypt. Moshe tells him the plague will strike kachatzos halayla at about midnight. At about midnight. Kachatzos. Now God had described the plague as happening ba, at midnight, Yet when Moshe is talking to Paro, he tells him at about midnight, the commentaries the Mepharshim explain, he did not want that if the Egyptians would be off in their calculation of midnight, which is pretty easy to guess could happen given how inefficient uh, sundials are at night and how hard it is to measure time at night. Let's say the Egyptians would have calculated midnight to be time X. And in fact, that was ten minutes before actual midnight. And the plague would not strike, and the Egyptians would all be looking at their clock or their measuring tool and saying, hey, it's midnight, it didn't happen. Ha! Their God, so much for his power and his capacity and his uh, you know, ability to eliminate our firstborn. And that would be a degradation of God's name, a chilol Hashem, to protect against that, Moshe said, at about midnight, so that they would not have that negative reaction. But, let's ponder this for a moment. What was going to happen ten minutes later than their time X? They thought it's midnight, and they're wrong, because ten minutes later is actual midnight, and bam! The destruction of the firstborn, also the eldest, and as the text of the Torah itself describes, there is no home in Egypt, no Egyptian home in Egypt, that does not suffer a tragic loss. So, the next day, after coming home from these thousands or hundreds of thousands of funerals, is it likely that we would find conversations between some of the Egyptians and, boy, did you notice that their god had his clock calibrated wrong, and he just he was not able to pull off this plague at the right moment? And would they make a mockery of God, or would they be so overwhelmed by the power of God that they would simply dismiss that seeming inaccuracy? Even so, Moshe is concerned there shouldn't be any momentary, fleeting degree of, of disregard for God's capacity and disregard for God's power, and sense that, oh, God got it wrong. So even if it's just those few moments until the plague would actually strike, that the Egyptians are thinking, hey, their God didn't do what we thought he was going to do, that itself is something that Moshe wants to protect against, and therefore he says, at about midnight rather than midnight. A very different time-related issue. We have the first national mitzvah. God tells us, HaChodesh HaZelachem, to declare the first month of the year, the month of Nisan, in which Pesach falls, 
as the first month and our calendar is to be set based on that first month and that month is to be set based on the sighting of the new moon. Sort of. Meaning, the new moon, the astronomical reality of the new moon sets the date of Rosh Chodesh, sets the beginning of the month unless the High Court of Israel overrides the reality of that sighting uh, of the new moon, and stalls, and as the text of the Torah alludes to and the Talmud elaborates upon, the high court has the capacity to declare Rosh Chodesh on a day other than the sighting of the new moon. And in fact, our calendar, uh, when we don't have the Sanhedrin, the high court in Yushalayim, uh, able to make that declaration as we don't have it today. We are built on a formula that was created by Hillel II uh, after the destruction of the Second Temple. We created a formula that we live on. Our lives, are, our Jewish lives are totally dependent on this calendar, which does, as you may have noted this last month, if you were very attentive to the <coughs> astronomical reality and the date that was Rosh Chodesh fell on, does allow for a deviation of the um, Rosh Chodesh not being on the technical, astronomical first day of the sighting of the new moon. This reality, and a big topic in itself, but the reality that the court can set the month slightly off from the astronomical reality. There could be, as the Mishnah describes, a Yom Kippur that by astronomical reality is on day X. And the court sets Rosh Chodesh, that Yom Kippur is on day X plus one. Well, on day X, it's now a mitzvah to eat in anticipation of tomorrow when it is a prohibition to eat. And God reacts to that. The heavenly death penalty for violating Yom Kippur will be relevant to X plus one, not day X. This concept of the capacity of the high court to govern time may help us understand that as beings are very finite, but who are linked with God who is infinite. As beings who are very uh, anchored in this physical world and its limitations, but who, in- who contain within ourselves a neshama, a spark of God, that holy soul that is not bound by time and space, we too may at times have the capacity to govern time, to break out of time. I'm not suggesting you tell this to the, uh, the attendant at the gate at the airport when they just close the door to the plane. Uh, you're trying to argue that you're above time may not get you very far. But to recognize that we may have the capacity to accomplish more than physical time would typically allow. Uh, when I think about the accomplishments of some of the great sages of Israel, there's no way I can put their output, their accomplishment, their achievement into the same time parameters that the rest of us live with. And just as we have the capacity, to a degree, to um, live beyond the constraints of physicality, uh, to be spiritual beings not anchored down by the physical, and to live more lofty, elevated lives, so too when it comes to time. That's a little more of a, a mystical concept. What I want to talk about you know, for a few moments in a practical sense, though, is our relationship with time and the hazards of two different um, kind of imbalances when it comes to time. There are some people who simply seem to have no association with time. Uh, You tell them you desperately need to have them show up at your house at a very specific time, set an appointment for 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's 10.05, 10.10, 10.15, and you get a text message at 
hey, I'm on my way, as we made up, be there soon. And it doesn't matter what the event, what the affair, uh, synagogue services are set for 9 a.m., they're there at 10. Synagogue changes the, the service to start at 10, they're there at 11. Uh, they're simply totally not governed and not controlled by time. Now, it may make their lives less anxious, but can frustrate many other people, can be very insensitive to other people, can display a lack of respect for the needs of other people, and often causes that person distress as well. Again, the airline doesn't work with their type of attitude to time. That's a hazard, and it's damaging, and it requires a recalibrating in terms of how much I value time and the effect that I'm having on other people's lives. There's a very different type of attitude, which is less focused upon, I believe, and that is the person who is so focused on time, so can't be late for that meeting, as to cause sometimes detrimental ramifications as well. How so? The person who is so caught up with the fact that I need to be at a certain location at time X, that I will be very insensitive to the needs of others and cause major stress or distress to others to see to it that I'm there at that time. Whether it's cutting the other person off on the road, whether it is driving in a manner that is unsafe, whether it is stressing someone else out about the fact, hey, get your act together, we need to be there already. Now, there may be some circumstances that that deadline is really, really important and may warrant uh, you're a uh, paramedic and you need to be at a certain location within two minutes if you're going to be able to save that person's life. Well, do what it takes to get there. But in many of life's circumstances there might be some room for flexibility and getting there a moment or two or three or four late might not be as devastating as you're making it. And if that's the case, then you're using the time as an excuse to justify the insensitivity to the other, the risk to the other. That's also unbalanced. And it can almost become an addictive reaction that need to be on time. I've, I've, people know they can, they can set their watch by the time I walk in the door. Well, a little ego over there or a little bit too much of letting time control you. Um, again, there are situations that that's the right thing to do, but one has to be cautious before making the time itself the factor. Time shouldn't govern. They need to be there. There's a service starting, and, and the beginning of the service is a, is, a, is a Kaddish that I do not want to miss. It's a, is a section that's important, or they're counting on me to be number 10. There are many reasons why I should really be trying to be there on time. There are many reasons why I should be trying to be there early and fully appropriate. But I have to constantly maintain the balance of what are the other factors at play. Time is very significant. Our lives are very heavily affected by time. But as we see, there is room for us to, at times, be above time and outside of time. And there is a need to focus on being very cautious about how we describe time and not let others uh, confuse, make mistakes about how we described the timing that was going to happen. And again, I think each of these messages in our Parsha can give us kind of the tools with which to operate when we're trying to get a better sense of how to balance our relationship with time. Let's use the message of Moshe's caution in how he described time to remind ourselves of the 
precision aspects of time, and that there are things that happen at very precise times, and remind ourselves that we need to be in tune to the reality of time, and let the message of the Rosh Chodesh, of our capacity to sometimes be able to dictate a reality that is beyond the astronomical reality, to create a reality in time that is other than that which, quote-unquote, seems to be the obvious measure of time, to remind ourselves that at times there will be the elements that override and tell us don't watch the clock. Something else right now is more important, more crucial, and keep that in mind. If we have this, hopefully, learn these combined lessons, so we become the type of people who are focused on time, but not excessive about it, not addicted to it. We don't lose sight of, of our time-bound responsibilities, whether it's vis-a-vis God or vis-a-vis other people, and we respect other people's relationship with time as well. Hopefully, by coming to that center point, not too extreme on this, but to be properly balanced in time, since that governs so much of our lives, and relates to so much of our lives, we'll be so much more likely to be uh, using, uh, making these calculations correctly, and using time appropriately, and so much more likely to be capable of achieving our tachlis.